the free for all roundtable. Round two. On round two, Adjoy and Sia Yabois from News Talk 10 Tennis here. Tim Hudak, former leader of the Ontario Conservatives, now at the Ontario Real Estate Association, lawyer, professor, and activist Pamela Palmater. And Tim, let me revisit this for a second. You guys had a Faraday pouch for your fob and your car. Did somebody clone it or did they flatbed your car? What happened? Oh, man. Yeah, the Faraday bag was a scam. We Amazoned it. was not worth 15 bucks, whatever it was, uh, John. No, I don't think they used them. We, we have both, sadly, both uh, our cars, both Lexus being stolen. I don't think they even use the original key fob to keep in your home. They have other devices to get in. Honest to God, they walked up to the car like they owned it. Something in their palm within 30 seconds, John, it was up the highway on two occasions. Heartbreaking. And I'll rant too. Toyota, which owns Lexus, has not done enough. They shrugged us off. I loved my Lexus. I'm moving on. Ooh, okay. Well, there's breaking news. Uh, Listen, I don't want to necessarily cold cocky folks, but I just got a poll delivered to me now, and I don't think you need to to, to have to do that much serious uh, contemplation to comment on it. It shows that as we look forward to the report being released this month on the convoy protest in Ottawa, a poll finds that uh, a majority of Canadians thought it was a security threat and that uh, support for the convoy protest has eroded in in the past year. So, I mean, Pamela Palmentar, I'll start with you. Effectively, what Justin Trudeau did is now more popular than when he did it. Um, uh, Of course, and you have to keep in mind, it's hard to tell who's thinking what, depending on what media you're listening to, what the headlines are. Sometimes literally a handful of conspiracy theorists can trump the media when most Canadians are saying, what are they talking about? So, I mean, we kind of knew that all the way along because... Um, you know, of the commission that was going on, the reports that we were hearing from people on the ground, and we knew that that would spread across the country, because I doubt the majority of Canadians want that in their backyard. And, and worth emphasizing, Andrew, as I come to you, that, you know, it could the support could have eroded after the emergency was gone, but support actually has increased. More Canadians are in line with Justin Trudeau invoking the Emergencies Act as we approach the first anniversary on Valentine's Day. Yeah, you know, nobody wanted their city hijacked. And if you weren't in Ottawa and just seeing all the images and and people not being able to sleep, it was just honestly it was the loudest voices in the room that we were hearing from that made it seem like there was more support than there actually was. So, yeah, I'm not surprised by this at all, that uh, support that they even had is is waning. One last aspect to this poll is that believing that the convoy protest was a security threat uh, changes from one party to another. So 81% of liberals say that it was a threat, 68% of NDPers, conservatives, uh, 23%. Tim Hudak, 73% of conservatives say that there was no security threat. Yeah, not not surprised. Look, I, three observations. Of this I hope it is a scathing report of the absolute keystone cops incompetence of Ottawa police and the inept leadership at City Hall in Ottawa. Number two, this shows I think to uh, organizers of the protest, you got to know when your fifteen minutes are up when to walk off the stage. I do believe the convoy successful in galvanizing public opinion initially to say that the lockdowns were too hard, too long, too harsh. They should have declared victory and walked away. Instead, it decayed over time. And number three, I, I still don't think it was. It, when all the evidence came forward that it was the right thing to do to go that far as Trudeau did. However, when you hear from CSIS, you hear from senior civil servants who should push that button, I think the majority of the public will say he did the right thing. 
Toronto District School Board trustees have voted to replace an English course that is taught in grade 11 with a class focusing on First Nations writers. Tim Hudak, I'll start with you because uh, um, both, I'm trying to remember if your older daughter, she's been through or she in grade 11 now. Yeah, great grade 10, John, very okay. close. We actually just finished reading Macbeth together, which I, um, I'm actually enjoying this return trip through <laughs> through high school. Uh, look, I, I think it's important to feature Aboriginal uh, writers and, and Canadian writers, but I, I, I draw the line at saying it must be a mandatory credit. Absolutely every kid for their English credit through high school has to have a complete course in this area. Listen, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission talked about making it mandatory education. It should be in history, absolutely. It should be in civics, for sure. In literature, absolutely. But to make it a mandatory course, I don't agree with that, and I think it should be an option. Encourage kids to go there. But I remember, you know, being forced Margaret Lawrence, Margaret Atwood down my throat. I stayed away from them forever, I think, after that grade 10. Give kids a choice and don't remove entirely the classics from the collection. Pamela Palmenter, this is one of of the many recommendations in the Truth and Reconciliation uh, report. And intriguingly, almost every time we try to enforce one aspect of that report, everybody says, well, no, that's a step too far. Uh, there seems to be quite a bit of pushback at the idea of introducing Indigenous voices to high school English. Yeah, it, it's really incredible. I mean, when you when you keep in mind that Native people have been here since time immemorial, they are the governments that, you know, uh, because of treaties and allyship, I mean, that there's a whole bunch of impacts on Canada. And I really think it's only the alarmists who say, oh, we're not going to have any English. We're replacing all the classics or, you know... Uh, we're never going to hear about our people. And, and that's not the case. The whole curriculum in every provincial and territorial area is primarily uh, Western European based. So if you have to take one course out of four that's Indigenous, you're not going to lose anything in English. And by the way, they have to take those English courses. You know, if you run a certain stream, you have to take math. The kids don't have a choice. So this is just one of many courses that they would have to take. Adjua, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I was a history major and I took history all through high school and I've been forced to learn everything about westernized culture. It wasn't until I got to university that I had the opportunity to actually learn about what actually happened within um, to the Indigenous people within Canada and learning about the history and actually some of their accomplishments. But that only happened until university. I think making it mandatory forces people to actually learn about our actual full history without taking away anything. And when you read the article, they're really not taking away an English course. You still have to take three of the quote-unquote classics adding one Indigenous mandatory English course where you learn the beautiful literature from the Indigenous people of this country is an amazing thing. And it shouldn't, and there shouldn't be any negativity around that. Justin Trudeau's newly appointed anti-Islamophobia person uh, got into trouble because somebody dug up a column she co-wrote with uh, Bernie Farber uh, in 2019, where she said that Law 21 in Quebec, or 121 I think it is, um, was inspired by Islamophobia. That's the law that tells you you can't wear any kind of religious um, significant signifier in terms of what you're wearing. Uh, Adjua, I'll come back to you to start on this one. Um, she had to apologize yesterday in person to the head of the Bloc Québécois. I don't think she should have because she's right. Yeah, I, I don't understand why we are uh, tiptoeing around um, any sort of anti-Islamophobia. Um, it's what she said 
if you support this bill, um, you and she backed it up with data. It wasn't like she just said it out, off the top of her head. Sorry, you have to stick to the truth. If if you are against this bill, um, and it's only it, it appears to be according to this data that people that are wearing religious headdress, but if you're wearing a cross, they're not telling people usually to take off the cross. So there seems to be um, okay for some and not okay for the others. And this whole idea that you are woke, if and woke being woke is not a bad thing, by the way, if you are woke, uh, you shouldn't be about this. And people that are um, under this bill, Bill, um, what is it, C21, um, you... You shouldn't, um, sorry, I'm just getting like worked up here, but I, I just feel that when it comes down to it, you should be able to be who you are and Canada is about rights and religious freedoms and this bill negates all of that. Okay, Pamela Palmater, your thoughts? Well, I think when anybody speaks, we need to be speaking based on fact. I mean, that's part of the problem with the far right fringe groups is that they don't speak on fact. And the fact is that in studies and research and statistics over the years, uh, some that have been published in CBC and other areas shows that your anti-Muslim sentiment is higher in Quebec than the rest of Canada. So had she referred to studies, had she said we are concerned because studies in indicate that there is a higher anti-Muslim uh, attitude in Quebec. That's one thing. Um, but I think people are concerned that there are so many people, including politicians, that just pull stats and facts out of their head, then that's something totally different. And if and I mean, racism is a fact. We as Indigenous people know that. And there's lots of studies to show that. So it's not a, it shouldn't be a surprise to anyone that although Quebec denies it all the time, they seem to, according to statistics, have higher anti-Muslim sentiment, and we need to address that. Okay, Tim Hudak, last word on this one, and bear in mind, I mentioned Ber Bernie Farber was the co-author of this column. He's no parvenu when it comes to anti-racism. Yeah, no, exactly. Look, uh, like Churchill said about Russia, right? It's a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. Same for me with Quebec politics. I get the other provinces. You know, if you're going to be an advocate, if you're going to fight for something you truly believe and that in your heart you feel is right, and you're going to go to the mat for it, you don't back down. You don't apologize. You should have stuck to her guns. And lastly, a new diner is going to be opening in Toronto. Tim Hudak, will you go to a diner where the staff are deliberately, their whole stock and trade is being rude? Oh, totally, right? I, I, now I'm going to date myself. John, maybe you watched this show. I remember Alice, right? And yeah. Flo, the old Kiss My Grits. I long to go into a I picture it like that, have a little uh, back and forth with the staff. I'm, I'll be there, first one in line. Okay. i got to let you guys go, but my thanks to Pamela Palmeter, Adwa Insia Yabois, and Tim Hudak. And incidentally, when this place opens, and I don't think there's a, a date projected just yet, um, but you are greeted with the middle finger. That's just how the service begins. Don't you dare ask for any substitutions. Um, okay, so happy Groundhog Day and Lucy the Lobster Day. I'm sorry about Fred Marmot, who is dead, but that's how it shook out this Groundhog Day. We'll be back here bright and early tomorrow morning, and it will be a sweet, sweet Friday right now. Keep it right here for the news and Jerry Agar on the other side. I got you, baby. Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.